Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brenning and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host Robert Brining. Uh, this evening I believe my co-host is supposed to be Jack. Hello Jeremy? It's Jeremy. It's Jeremy. Are you uh, filling in for Jack tonight? I'm filling in for Jack tonight. Oh okay. Fabulous. Well, welcome Wonderful. to the show. Well thank you. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. It's a little pleasant surprise. <laughs> well, I, I texted, I sent you a text, and I think Jack sent you a text, and we were both texting you. So. Oh, really? How did I miss yeah. that? Oh, that's okay. Well, I'm glad one of you are here. That's great. It was probably in the middle of the intro where me getting ready, so that's probably why I ignored so. Probably. I apologize for playing the wrong intro. If I knew, I would have switched to beforehand. But anyway, that's okay. that's a good surprise. But I can pretend I'm Jack. <laughs> no, it's fine. It works perfect, actually. It's fine. I know you live in L.A., so I know yes. we had um, issues with audio out there last time. Yeah, and I just flew back in from New York. How was that? Did it was lovely. Well, was a wedding I saw? Yes, there was a wedding that we went to, and Mark and I decided to make it legal. Oh, so, well, that's Yeah, awesome. Mark and I are now legally married in five states Great. in the District of Columbia. Congratulations. In Canada and Mexico and Spain and a few others. <laughs> Everywhere but where you live. Exactly, everywhere, <laughs> except where I live. Yes, that's, that's exactly awesome. it. Yeah, yay, yay. So, but we did it on the sly and um, just uh, it was it was kind of nice, you know. Cool. All that jazz. It, it was funny because I was at my cousin got uh, married on Saturday, and everybody kept asking me, "Oh, well, you know, because they're Christmas time." They all heard that I, you know, was. Um, that we got engaged, and they keep asking me, uh-huh. like, have you set a date? Have you set a date? Do you have anything going on? You know, like, do, do you have a date? And I'm like, no, we're just taking it. Like, there's no reason for me to rush into it because it's not legal in our state. Right. You know I mean, if I'm going to move to New York, then I'll move to New York. You know what I mean? If it's something we do like you guys did on the spur of the moment and do it because it's a romantic thing to do at the time and it's the moment, yeah, like, that's fine. But, I mean, when we're ready, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll set it all up. But a lot of people always seem to ask that once you get engaged that, when is the wedding? When is the date? Like, they put that right. pressure on you. Like, you should know this already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a ton of pressure. Right? Funny. Yep. It absolutely is. <laughs> so that's what you did all week, I assume. You were in New York? Um, from Wednesday night through uh, through today. So. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was kind of nice. Then, um, Have you posted photos? Oh no, we. I mean, we totally did it completely under the radar. No pictures, no nothing. We just signed the paperwork. Oh, 
well, hey. So now I own half of Mark, and Mark owns half of me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. So. That's so funny. So now we're no longer living in sin. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh goodness! Oh goodness! So, so who do we have on tonight? What? What? what I, tonight, I just tonight we have on a lovely lady who um, uh, wants to come on and share her story. She's recently diagnosed. Um, she's about a, a year ago. She so she's been living with HIV for about a year. Um, actually, she was diagnosed with AIDS, so she'll come on and share her story. Her name is Betsy Young, um, and she's somebody who just, you know, she's on Paz I Am, connected on Facebook and on Twitter, and she just reached out and said, well, I'd like to share my story, and it's different. Um, you know, if people are, are, are reading uh, the bio that, that goes with the show here, you know what I mean? She talks about how she didn't fit the demographic, so when she had, um, what was it, like thrush and things like this, she didn't. It didn't click in, you know, her mind or the doctor's mind that it could be HIV or AIDS. You know, uh-huh. Because she wasn't in that that at, the high risk group that people seem to like. You know, she was basically she wasn't a, a gay man. You know what I mean? So it wasn't something that, you know, her doctors. You know, and we hear this a lot with with straight women who come on and, and share their story about you know how they get diagnosed later in life because they're not that demographic that the doctors you know automatically think let's get an HIV test. Right. So I think it's, you know, brave of her to come on and do it since, you know, it's only been a, a little, I think, a little bit over a year. So, um, you know, kudos to her. I'm excited to have her come on. That is thrilling. <clears throat> and next week, since, you know, we're it's going to be the day before Halloween, we're going to be on the 30th. Uh, I kinda, it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit of a, like a, a, a different Halloween twist, but we're actually going to have on a, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Daniel Bauer, and he is an escape artist. Um, from, oh, God, I'm so bad. I can't think of the exact, um, his location. Um, but he, he once had this big, you know, opportunity in Vegas to have this big show, and it was backed by all this, you know, companies that were going to sponsor his show, and then they found out that he was HIV positive, and they pulled out of the show. And this guy was, like, supposed to be the next Houdini. You know what I mean? Like, he was following in his footsteps and, and going to, you know, headline in Vegas and stuff. He's going to come on and share his story of what, you know, that was like for him and talk about his new speaking program called Blunt, B-L-U-N-T, um, okay. and, and how he's now sharing his story. So it's kind of neat. I think it's kind of, you know, it, it, I, I like having people who do different things so people see it's not one type of person that gets HIV. It's people that are, you know, doing things and are successful in life and it's people that are, you know, just living life every day and, and taking care of their kids and, and, and trying to be a good person and, you know, a good husband and all that. So it's, it's nice to have different kinds of stories. It is. It's always nice to have different stories on. Ugh. And I thought Sorry, that was kind of neat to have it kind of towards Halloween since he's an escape artist and the big Houdini and things like that. And it's interesting. He's a, he's a pretty cool guy. Will we have I, scary music on? No, we won't have And monster laughs? And go, wah, <laughs> I should download the Monster Mash for you. <laughs> That's <not> scary. <laughs> I want I want creaking doors and whistles and and wind and and lightning and a witch cackling. <laughs> All that. We're good. Right. You can work on that for next week. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Oh goodness, are we boring everybody in the in the in the chat room? 
I'm sure not at all. One of the things okay. um, I did want to talk about is um, coming up. Where did it go? I'm sorry. Just totally. You know, we talked about the age block, but I, I I got some final numbers exactly of you know how many people that they think were there, um, and they think they raised over the age fund. Philly is actually um, saying that they raised close to uh, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on our block. Wow. Yes, for all the you know the local aid service organizations in Philly. So you know that's that's pretty awesome for the people in Philly to come out and you know, do that, considering we don't get much press around the AIDS walk. Right. Because it coincides with the three-day breast cancer walk. So wow. the press that we get is very limited. Because yep. that's, you know, that's a three-day breast cancer walk, and it's, you know, the big name. And, you know what I mean? So it kind of trumps our walk every year. But I noticed that some people who do the breast cancer walk, or after they're done, they come and they do the AIDS walk. Because I wow. see people, like, all dressed in pink. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Who are obviously who were there for the breast cancer while coming to the thing. So that's pretty cool that they come out and they support both. I couldn't imagine doing three days of a, a breast cancer walk and then doing eight miles for the eighth walk. Wow. You know, people just like to walk, I guess. It's good exercise and, and, and you know, it and works it's, for It's for a good cause. Exactly. 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 Precisely. So what else is what else is new with you? Oh, golly. Um, not a lot since last week, other than, you know, making it all legal-like. So it will be, we should get the certificate within a month. I'm going to frame it and hang it up. And then, you know, because we've got to, so now we have to work even harder to defeat the amendment that's going to be on the ballot um, in May to, uh, of course, ban and not recognize same-sex marriage. So, In your area? You're saying? Yeah, in, in North Carolina, yeah. Okay. So so mind you, and, and I, so I'm going to get on my soapbox just for a minute. So the, the, the economy is in the crapper. People are out of work. And health care is a necessity. But yet we want to focus our attention on same-sex marriage. This is what we want to talk about. And this is what we want to put on the legislation. This is what we want to legislate. I mean, seriously, do we not have any other priorities? So anyway, so, so that's all I have to say. No, I, I, I agree. They make so stupid to me. It's just it's basic, and and I don't understand the world that we live in, and why people are so complicated, and there's so much hate in the world, and it just doesn't make sense. Is you know, it's just like as, can't you look at somebody as a human being and not see anything else, like you know, like sexual orientation or race or religion? Just look at them as one person and say they deserve everything that I have because they're a human being just like me. Yeah, like, it should be that easy. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. I totally agree. I just, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to how that, why why it's such a big thing in, in people's eyes. and it, it doesn't make sense to me um, at all. So um, 
for the people who are in the chat room and some people who may be listening for the first time, we want to thank you all for hanging out with us tonight. Um, as we're waiting for Betsy, our guest, to call in, if you guys have something you'd like us to discuss, you can post it in the chat room or call us here at the show at 347-215-9442 and press 1 as we wait for Betsy uh, to, to give us a call. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people were asking me about on Twitter was, you know, what was something that I tried I do to adhere to my meds to take them at the same time. Do I take them at the same time every day? And, you know, what happens if I miss, you know, like, and take it a couple hours later than they're supposed to? Um, and, you know, I was trying to point them to a couple blogs that we had or, or posts on Pause.im that, you know, gave uh, a couple, what do you call it, uh, hints on or clues on what to do to, to adhere to your meds and take them at the same time. Like, you know, either use the alarm on your on your phone or, or use post-it notes that you can put on the mirror in the morning if you take them in the morning when you eat. I mean, it's all different things that, you know, people use to remember to take their meds. Yep. Is I mean, there anything all, specific that you use? Um, it's in a uh, – I, I have a, a med- medication um, thing, mm-hmm. a, um, <laughs> an organizer. So pill organizer. Morning, yeah, my pill organizer. So I take my morning meds at the right when I get up, and then I take my evening meds right before I go to bed. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it looks like our guest is on the line, so please help me welcome Betsy to the show. Betsy, are you there? Yes. Yes, I am. Yay, Hi, Betsy. We <laughs> were sorry? having to. We were having to um to to vamp. Until until you called oh, in, gosh. we were running out of things to talk about. Oh, sorry, that's hard <laughs> no, to believe. Fine. That's hard to believe. So, so is your last name? Is it Young? Yes, it is. No, I'm not Korean, okay. but I do get all the <laughs> Korean newspapers and uh, all of the offers for uh, free long distance to Korea. Oh, nice. Uh, I think that the uh, I think the name used to be German. Uh, J-U-N-G, and they uh, Americanized it when we came to the United States. Gotcha. <laughs> so was okay, it young or young? It's young. Young, okay. Young. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was concerned about, mispronouncing it. That's why I wanted to ask you first <laughs> <laughs> before I made sure. So um, is this the first time that you've shared your story publicly before? Yes. Or do you go out and speak now? I I have not gone out uh, to speak. Um, Like I said, I've only been I've only been aware of my uh, uh, my virus for the last year. Uh, So I really have. It's just kind of been an up and down roller coaster, trying to get well, and then trying to um, figure out how to process it all. Start us off with a little bit, um, you know, of how you, when you were diagnosed. Tell us what that day was like and, and or what, you know, kind of led up to you going to the to the hospital on July 15th. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I work, uh, I work for a manufacturer of studio equipment. So uh, I manage a department of five people, and we pack about a million dollars worth of equipment a month and ship it out. Um, a lot of the work is pretty physical, so... I had gone to work uh, one Monday. I had, I've had, you know, weird maladies over the past several years that I've seen doctors for. Uh, 
but I started to get short of breath, meaning I couldn't I couldn't take a full breath. So immediately, you know, I cut back on smoking and didn't smoke anymore and immediately just decided, oh, I must have some horrible chest infection. And I took the day off work on Monday and I took the day off work on Tuesday. And I went to I went to um I went to urgent care on Wednesday and they gave me an inhaler and sent me home. And on Thursday, um I told my brother who lived on the same property with me, I said, This is not getting better and I need to go find out what's wrong because I couldn't I couldn't make it down the stairs to the bathroom and back up the stairs without stopping to rest. And that just isn't like me. I'm usually pretty active, and I don't have problems like that. So when I went to uh, urgent care, they took a chest X-ray and immediately thought that I was having a, a, an or a, a blood clot in my lung. So they put me in an ambulance, sirens blaring, and sent me to the hospital, uh, where I was there for almost three days on almost pure oxygen because they couldn't oxygenate my blood enough. Um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, finally, uh, the lung doctor came in and told me that they were going to have to do a biopsy of my lung in order to find out what what was ailing me. So that was the last thing I remember. And then I woke up about nine days later, um, and apparently they had taken out a portion of my lung, and they had tested it and, and discovered that I had uh, pneumocystis. And um, what they explained to me when I woke up uh, was that they had taken a portion of my lung and found this out, and subsequently tested me for HIV because obviously if I have pneumocystis, that's a big telltale sign and that I was positive for HIV, and I was absolutely dumbstruck. I had absolutely no idea what that meant. But I spent... Were you, uh, uh, I mean, you okay. knew about AIDS, right? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, okay. I, knew what it, I knew what it was, but it just didn't compute that it could be something that would affect me. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, probably three to four weeks before I went into the hospital, I had a little bout of thrush. Um, I wear dentures, so uh, I figured it had something to do with, you know, the, my mouth, the dentures, and I had been, uh, you know, self-medicating for that. And right. I remember going on WebMD and noticing... Uh, the first thing it said about thrush in an adult was that it happens among people who are HIV positive quite frequently. I just skipped right over that because that wasn't even, you know, possible. It had to have been right. something else, you know. Uh, it just didn't even enter my consciousness as something that might be even possible for me. But that's common. That's common with a lot of... Um you know, heterosexual people. They really, yeah. I think they kind of, I don't know if they do it um, consciously or subconsciously, but they kind of have that mindset where maybe, you know, it, they still think that it doesn't happen, you know, that it well, can't happen. And it's, it's normal. I mean, I think a lot of people still, just the way that it was perceived early in the years. I should point something out, and that is I just, I talked to, um, I talked to a young lady 
probably two weeks ago, who's a friend of my niece. Uh, this young lady just turned 18, and she was has just left high school. She just graduated, and she's headed off to college. And when I talked to her about it, I said, let me ask you something. I said, in in school, do they teach you about HIV and how to avoid getting it? And what did you learn about it from your school? And she goes, well, they really gloss over it pretty quickly and basically give the kids the idea that if they're not homosexual and they don't have anal sex, that they are not at risk as much as if they do, meaning they they stress that risky behavior is going to uh, make them more susceptible. And I remember, you know, basically because I grew up during a period of time where uh, it was it was GRID, it was GRID, it was never it was not HIV when I was a kid, and so it wasn't. You know, they, no one educated us, and I have to worry about what kind of education that people get. I know that the LGBT community is very involved in it. I know that uh, it's something that they've had to deal with personally for a long, long time. But I don't think that most heterosexual people even consider it a risk factor for them. Mm-hmm. They don't even think that it's, you know, something that can touch them, and that's kind of disturbing to me. I agree. So, I agree. So Betsy, I noticed. Oh. Go ahead, Johnny. Oh, I was just going to ask. Um, I wanted to back up a little bit when you were told that you had uh, that, that not only did you have HIV, but you were had full blown AIDS. Well, that what? didn't compute to me until weeks later. Yep. So how did you handle that? Well, immediate my my immediate reaction was, of course, I cried. Um, I was upset. It was, you know, a terrible thing to hear. But it really, my daughter, uh, my daughter's twenty seven this this year. She was twenty six at the time. She was there uh, to tell me the news and. She had done a lot of research, meaning between the time that she found out that I was HIV positive and the time that I woke up uh, and came off life support. She had uh, she had done a lot of research and she understood that you know that what I had was full blown AIDS. It was not, you know, it was uh, it wasn't just HIV. And she had to kind of hammer that home to me over the next couple of weeks. And she was gentle about it, but she said, Mom, do you understand that, you know, do you understand how close you came to dying? And do you understand what it means that you have AIDS, that you don't, you're not just HIV positive? And that did take uh, a while for me to really process. Mm-hmm. You know, because so you were I, diagnosed with, what was it, 20... 27. I had yeah, 27 T cells at the time. And he did uh my uh my doctor did tell me that. He said he tried to explain to me I had never I didn't know what a T cell was. Um he explained to me that I should have, you know, uh 1000 or 600 and I had 27, which also didn't really compute to me either. I didn't really understand that. 
it all came so quickly, you know, uh, the news. Right, and when you're when you're newly diagnosed, all that medical talk and numbers and all that, it gets, it's like another language to you. Oh, for sure, for sure. You no, know, I mean, totally different language, and then you have to go and try to bury your brain and all that stuff and learn stuff. It's, it's difficult at times. Oh, yeah, it really is, and, and the more that you read, the more... Uh, I don't know. The more devastated that you are, meaning the more that I, the more I learned about it, and uh, the more serious I realized that my situation was, um, it was really scary. It was pretty scary. So, how has your family been with with the all of this diagnosis, and then and then we'll get into the the pre-diagnosis part of your story. Mm-hmm. But how's your family dealing with it? Oh, my family has been absolutely wonderful. Um, my dad and my my mom, my mom and my stepdad, uh, my mom is kind of, uh, she's all there. She's not, uh, she's almost 80. Um, and she hasn't, uh, She's maybe had a couple of little strokes, so she doesn't uh, speak well. But I know that she understands and and uh, communicates pretty well in writing. Um, but they were nothing but supportive from day one, uh, and absolutely one hundred percent behind me. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my, my stepdad is a veterinarian, so he's uh, kind of a clinical guy. And um, of course, they, you know, they were concerned with uh, uh, not with where I got it, but the fact that I was in, you know, I had just kind of left a relationship, and uh, my ex-boyfriend at the time uh, was there when they diagnosed me, and. Uh, I'm afraid they scared the hell out of him, so he kind of went into one of those denial modes. It took him six months to even test. So he didn't know that he was infected. Pardon? He didn't know that he was infected. He wasn't infected. In fact, he and I were together for almost ten years. Um, Then we broke up, and very shortly after we broke up, uh, I was diagnosed, and when I told him, he was absolutely terrified. And for probably probably six months, he he didn't test. He wouldn't test. He was scared too. He threw himself into work, and um, finally found out uh, he was negative here in January or February of this year. Now, us men are stubborn when it comes to going to the doctors. Yeah. And getting tested and stuff like that. It's, I think it's like in our nature. Um, I did want well, to share one to... comment with. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I had to actually go to his apartment and uh, stick his finger and and do the blot test and send it in. I had to make him do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wanted to share this uh, comment because I, I um, you know, I blog about everybody who comes on and I, I share, you know, your story a little bit on the blog, and somebody posted a comment on my Facebook when I shared a link to the post, and it says um, that the blog was terrific. There's an, a knee-jerk for many people of, about what HIV looks like, and your story, Betsy, is living proof that HIV looks like everybody, and it could be you. you Absolutely. I mean? so, Absolutely. 
she was really moved by the fact that you were coming on to share your story. Well, it's to me it's important because uh I've from the time I was diagnosed, um I haven't I haven't held back my, you know, my diagnosis from anybody. Uh meaning my my coworkers came to see me in the hospital, I told them right away. Um my boss, I told him right away. Uh, I just let them know, you know, because to me, how else do we normalize something if we don't treat it normally? Mm-hmm. Meaning if if we hide it or we're ashamed of it, then, then how are other people supposed to realize that it's, that it's a normal thing, that it can happen to anybody? It's not just something that's gay-related or, or drug-related or, you know what I mean? That, that's just, one of the things I, I always say is that, uh, you know, to end stigma, us people who are living with HIV need to be more open about it. You know, stigma starts with us. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't be ashamed to tell somebody, you know, that you had that you had cancer or that or that you were diabetic. Uh, you wouldn't be afraid to share that with, you know, with people close to you. Why, you know, why would you be afraid to share your your HIV status if that's the case? Um, I don't think, you know, a lot of people will look at me and say, well, gee, gosh, I wouldn't think that you would have it. You were in a 10-year relationship and, you know, you weren't weren't a busy girl in in that respect. And um, I said, yeah, but you don't have to be. Something I remember from the beginning of... uh, from the back in the 80s in the late 80s was a remark that someone made that uh whoever you sleep with you're sleeping with everyone they've ever slept with and, and that's so a frightening on. thought in and of itself because I've seen who some of my exes have slept with Wait. <laughs> exactly exactly and <laughs> if only we were you know more aware of that uh you know uh, I knew that my my boyfriend uh, at the time was cheating on me, or that was I, I suspected it, and I had every opportunity to you know to make the choice of to protect myself, and it just never dawned on me. It just never occurred to me, uh, which I realize you know, obviously now was very stupid. But <laughs> one of the things I saw on uh, your positive profile is that you think that you were infected in 1996. Actually, I managed. I managed to narrow it down uh, to to. Uh, I think it was 1999, late in 99. Um, can you share a little bit about how you think you were infected? Sure, I know exactly how I was infected. <laughs> I had been um, when I divorced my husband. Uh, that was roughly 95 or 94. Um, I started a relationship with a young man um, that I knew. I found out probably a year or a year and a half into the relationship that he was that he was kind of a closet crossdresser. That this was something he liked to do. I tried really, really hard to understand that and to try to figure out how I could incorporate that into my into my life in some way, meaning not that I wanted to partake in any of that, but how to accept him with that situation. And I did for a time uh, until I found out that he was meeting people that he had uh, 
called on chat lines and so forth and so on. He was answering ads in the local paper and uh, the equivalent to the Craigslist in print. Um, right. And I found this out, uh, and I confronted him with it, and he swore to me that, you know, it was just friends, that he was just meeting friends, that there was nothing physical going on with anyone, and that he would, you know, absolutely not do it ever again. And, of course, I wanted hard, I wanted to believe that. That was something that, you know, devastated me. And so uh, we continued to try to make the relationship work. Um and when I found out that he actually was seeing people for other purposes, um, I cut it off. Um, and I think I gave him at some point in 2000, or it was probably 1999 or 2000, early 2000, that we briefly tried to reconcile. And I just couldn't, I couldn't incorporate it. So, uh we split up for good, and that was that. So I'm pretty sure that uh, it was something that he picked up and brought back to me uh, sometime in late 99. And had had you at all confronted him about this at all? Or? Oh, certainly, yeah. First, while I was in the hospital, he came to see me with his fiance, And I told them together uh, that, you know that they needed both to be tested and that I felt that I had, that he had infected me. And so they promised that they would go get tested. I think they waited almost two months before they did. And uh, he found out he was positive. She's negative, continues to be. They got married and they're happily living as though nothing is wrong. Wow. Just kind of a bitter pill, but, you know... It's nice for them. I don't blame him. I mean, you know, he it is what it is. Um, you know, I have as much responsibility for my uh, my safety and my health as, you know, as I put on someone else. You the comment that he was you probably just wished in hindsight that he was a lot more honest with himself to be honest with you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I wish I wish he could have been straightforward enough. Because at the time, I I remember telling him, you know, I was worried mostly about the people that he was meeting. I said, you know, there are people out there that will kill you for doing this. There are people out there that will hate you, that will punish you, and I worry about your safety, you know, that you're meeting people you don't know uh, to engage in things that, you know, some people out there would hate you for. Uh, and that's what that's where my worry was was that he was going to get hurt, not that he was you know going to bring home anything. But again, that's, that's in right. the past. That's right. You can't deal with it now. You can only look forward. Um, real quick, I just want to open the phone lines if you'd like to call in and um, if you have a question or a comment for Betsy, you can reach us here at three four seven two one five nine four four two. If you're on hold and want to speak to us, press the number one so I know that you want to come on air and you're not just listening. Um, one of the things that a lot of people are echoing in the chat room is that they're saying um, that you're very open-minded, and I think that's awesome that you were able to try to accept him, you know, even for, you know, what he was going through and, and, and not just run away. You know, that shows well, some real strength in, in, in your character, I think. 
who among us does not have habits or, you know, who among us does not have something to be ashamed of? Uh, Not necessarily that he should be ashamed, but it's all, you know, if you love somebody, you need to love all of them. And if there's a part of them that you can't love, then you owe it to them to, you know, to realize that. Awesome statement. I have actually a caller on the line, so area code 604, you're on the air. Can you just lower your speakers? Hello? Okay, I'm going to put him on hold. Uh, whoever 604 is, if you're listening, can you lower your speakers and uh, press 1 and bring, bring you back on the air? Um, just because there's an echo in that, and I don't want to... Um, have that echo feeding through the speakers. So let me try that again. Hello. So four, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Who's this? Can you hear me? No, I can hear you. Oh, great. Hi. Is that Robert? Yes, it is. Hi, Robert. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Betsy. This Hi. is uh, Bradford McIntyre in Canada. No, operator of Positively Positive, www.positivelypositive.ca for Canada. And I just wanted to say to Betsy that uh, this is a, a, exactly what is needed, you know, for people to hear that it isn't about being in a high-risk group, that anyone and everyone you know, can be infected with HIV. And what you're doing is so important and I'm so happy that people are hearing your message and you know your story and 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 how inspirational it will be to those people listening. Well, I hope it I hope it will help someone. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. No, it's uh, it's very important. Uh, you know, I uh, a couple of years ago I wrote an article, not everyone infected with HIV originates from a high risk group and exactly. we're always hearing that it's you know uh IV drug users and gays and and not really um allowing the public to recognize that it's amongst us all it isn't in a specific group although there are some people that you know are you know certainly at risk because uh, of you know risk. their circumstances sure. are a higher risk but the the fact is 60 million people around the world have been in I think I just saw 64 million people around the world have been infected in the last 30 years and and there's and there's not a single human being on this earth that is immune to it absolutely and and you every are every single person is at risk every yeah. single one yeah, well, I just, I just think everybody needs to hear you speak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm 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 just you know I've been out and I'm I'm uh, I'm HIV positive going into my 28th year, and uh, I know that you're going to change a lot of people's lives, and I want to thank well, you so much. <laughs> thank you, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, something that really does bother me a lot is. Um, I I hate the way that they harangue me, that they they hassle almost hassle me about having a pap smear or or having a mammogram or how 
there's public service messages telling men to go have their prostate checked. Um, all of these things that are supposed to be preventive care. Not one thing in my GYN's office, not one counter card, not one folder, not one nothing saying, do you know your HIV status or you should be tested for HIV? And as a matter of fact, the questions that they ask you during your initial interview with your GYN or or with any doctor that you go to uh, determines whether or not they will test you. And if if you don't specifically ask them to test you, generally, if they don't consider you in a high-risk group, they won't. And that really bothers me. So I want to thank Bradford for calling in. And remember, you can check out Bradford's website at PositivelyPositive.ca. And real quick, I just want to throw the number out there again to the show, 347-215-9442. If you're interested in calling in, press the number one so we know to bring you live on air. Um, so, so basically, uh, Betsy, when you were diagnosed, you talked a little bit how your you said your daughter basically kind of coached you along past your diagnosis to help you kind of accept it. Yes. Um, is, is that the only child you have, just one? Yes, just my daughter. So she was loving and, and was able to do all that and... And I think that's awesome that your daughter was so open about it and was oh, yeah. so, like, there for you. Oh, yeah. My daughter is a very capable young lady. <laughs> she lives uh, about six hours north of me. But I raised her to be rather open-minded and opinionated, which I guess when you're 22 or 23, it comes off as bossy and bitchy, but when you're a little <laughs> older, it comes back as wisdom, I suppose. She's a very, uh, very together young woman. Well, that's fantastic. So so we were talking a little bit about um, when you were diagnosed, mm-hmm. and um, your your T-cell count was 27. Mm-hmm. What What is your T-cell status today? Um, let's see, my T-cell status as of November was, uh, not November, I'm sorry, uh, July, I think it was my last T-cell count, let me look on my little calendar, was 99, I have 99 T-cells now. Woohoo! They're, they're going <laughs> yeah. in the right direction. Well, actually, I had gone up as high as 126 at one point, but I've been holding at 99 for the past six months or so. What what uh what regimen are you take are you on? I'm on let's see, right now I'm using Calitra and Isentris. Uh let I also take Bactrim and Zithromax and all of those other lovely things to try to keep you know, try to keep the P C P at bay. Yep. Um and I probably will be on most of those drugs for some time to come. Mhm. I so was what- briefly taking injections of Nupagen and Procrit. Um, I think that was because I was on Combavir. Ah, yeah. And Combavir just uh, scarfed up all my white blood cells, and I was very anemic. So I, I yeah. had several transfusions. Yeah. So so those of you who don't know what Combavir is, Combavir actually has AZT in it. So... um. 
Yep. I was on that when I was first diagnosed, too. Mm. Yeah. And then well, they realized, yeah. oh, you've got the, uh, I've got a resistance to 23 drugs, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, luckily, I'm, I, I'm, I guess, what they call naive, treatment naive. Yep. So because of that, uh, I guess the Comavir uh, affected me pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, when he took me off that and put me on Icentris, I've done well. I mean, my viral load is still undetectable, and uh, but I'm just not building that many T cells. I've been told by long timers that it's likely I never will get back to normal as far as T cells go. Huh. You may or may not. I mean, yeah. it, it all depends, right? Right. My doctor oh. told me at the time, he said, you know, he said, you will get better. He said, you know, I cried the first time that I found out that my T-cells went back down from 126. I was so upset. And he said, it, you know, it may take years before, you know, before you have more than three or 400 T-cells. <laughs> that would be, you know, amazing. He did let me go back to work in spite of the fact that uh, that he wanted me at 200, but uh, like he said, it could take years. Yeah. I mean, do you have any side effects? Not anymore. I probably did for, you know, uh, some period of time when I began. I know that uh, diarrhea is kind of a constant friend. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't I don't vomit anymore and I you know, uh I don't feel that you know I had that trembling for a good number of months. And I'm not sure what that was from, but I don't think that I have any side effects other than, you know the return to health syndrome and all the fat that's gained that I'm gaining. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people have those um, have different side effects, and that's always something they were concerned about. And you know, they, when they had that option to start meds, and companies like you, you didn't have that option because when you were diagnosed, your T cell count was so low. Yeah, you had to start meds right away. So just hearing that, it's been building back up. Is you know, is, is a good thing. Oh sure. A lot of people are commenting it in the chat room, saying that they also have 99 CD4s. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't devastate me the way that it did at first because, you know, after reading so much uh, about it and and what it means to not have any T cells, that, you know, literally you have no immune system and almost anything can attack you at, at any time. Uh, so I've learned not to do things like I used to. I used to pick up trash when I saw it on the ground. And... Uh, my daughter says, Mom, you can't do that anymore. Because <laughs> she's so afraid that I'm going to catch a germ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mother was the same way for a while. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, Mom, fine. Don't touch okay. that. Don't go there. Oh, there's too many children there. You might, you might, yeah. somebody, <laughs> somebody's going to give you something. Uh, yeah. My, my uh, primary care physician was that way. When oh, she no. found out how many T cells I had, she was aghast to find out I was going to live alone and that I was going to the grocery store by myself. And <laughs> 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 uh, 
my ID doctor is very realistic, however, you know, he'd throw up his hand in one and said, nonsense, you have to live. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you, that's you know, kind that's, of... that's why everybody needs to find a really good infectious disease um, doctor that specializes, not just in infectious diseases, but in in, in HIV. It, it's sure. so, so important. Yeah, well, mine doesn't have the greatest bedside manner, and uh, he's actually kind of a dick. But, <laughs> but Sorry, I, uh, I do, re- I do respect him, and uh, I appreciate, you know, the fact that he saved my life. And uh, I think he's kind of amazed every time he sees me. Although now he he's angry, he'd like my T cell count to be higher than my weight, which would be nice. <laughs> Although he's um, fat, the, too, so. One of the things I wanted to talk about briefly is I noticed on Facebook um, that you went and did um, the AIDS Walk Los Angeles. Yes, I did. 16. I did the whole thing, too. All 6.2 miles, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> was that your first AIDS Walk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the first time. I actually didn't really even know about it until uh, my neighbor friend... Um, asked me if I wanted to go with him, and I said, well, sure. And he said, well, you have to go online and join my team. So I did that on Thursday before the walk, <laughs> and I even managed to uh, raise about $500 within those four days. So I was kind of proud of that. So what was your experience like on the walk for the first time? Because I know for me it was it was definitely like an experience. Oh, it was fun. It was great fun. I met a lot of people, and... Uh, there were a lot of teams there. I was uh, I was a little embarrassed for my company, to tell you the truth, um, because I'd given my company a chance to, uh, I guess, to get behind me. My whole company is aware of my status, uh, and uh, they don't they wouldn't allow me to fundraise, and they were not. They were not what I would consider very supportive. Right. And it really kind of upset me because, you know, my company uh, does cater to the entertainment industry, which has been hit pretty hard by HIV and AIDS. And one would think that they might, you know, throw themselves behind an employee uh, was looking, you know, uh, for some support. support. Yeah, and uh, this neighbor friend of mine, uh, he works for uh, a jeweler, um, a diamond broker, and apparently uh, they all threw their whole company behind him, and they had a team, and they had T-shirts, and they, I was so, I was so happy for him. I said, God, your company is so wonderful that they, you know, that they rallied behind you, and they raised, you know, $2,000, and uh, you know, I was kind of embarrassed for my company. I would have liked them to be more supportive. Did they but offer I, support when you told them the first time? Uh, my company? Yeah. Well, like when you told uh, them that you, you you were HIV positive, like how did that conversation go with like your boss? Um, they were in the hospital visiting me, and I, you know, they wanted to know what was wrong with me, and so I told them. Like, and, you couldn't lie about it, basically. No, not, I mean, I could have, I suppose, but that would have been kind of lame. 
<laughs> and really, I have this thing about about telling the truth that it's always so easy to remember the truth. <laughs> if you tell a oh, lie cool. to one person, you're going to have to remember that lie and tell it to the next person and be sure that the, that same lie will work with all the other people. And it's just so much easier to just tell them the truth. I agree. Absolutely. All right. All right. So Blog yep. Talk Radio has politely kicked me out of the chat room. That's okay. <laughs> One of the um, where did it go? Where did the, where did the question go? I just skipped out of the chat room. Um, one of the things that we were talking about last week, just because I was um, in it, how have you done with, like, have you been sick since your diagnosis, like with the flu or anything like that, or have you been kind of level since I, you've you know, been out of I've had a few colds. I've had a few colds, and I am just getting over a, a terrible cough, which, you know, uh, I was worried about it last week. Right after the AIDS walk, uh, I came home and I spent uh, a day in bed because I just didn't feel right. Had a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of a cough. Um, But actually it hasn't affected me any more than it would have, you know, previously. Yeah, normally. It's just a cold. That's that's great to hear, actually. I do have another caller I want to bring on since we're winding down. Area code 504, what's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Pooh from New Orleans. I called before. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions for Bessie. Um, I was reading her bio, and the first question is, when you okay, when you found out that he was experimenting with um, transgender, did you, was not aware of HIV and stuff, and you know, demand him to use condoms. And, you know, by your T-cells being so low, that means you had it for a long time. I mean, I'm I'm trying to learn more about it. Yeah, I was told basically that it was likely that I had, uh, that I had been sick for 10 to 15 years was what my doctor okay. told me. Um, I kind of figured this has been... Uh, Several months ago, I went through some journals and diaries and went back. I don't know, call it morbidity. Uh, uh-huh. But I, I kind of narrowed it down to roughly 1999 to 2000, which would have been uh, roughly 10 years ago. Hmm. So are your, the husband before is aware of your HIV status? I'm sorry? The, um, has, you, you was married before. I was Did married. you know about your... Okay. He does now, yeah. He he lives in Texas. I don't really have any uh I don't really have a lot of contact with him um other than through my daughter. We were Did married for Oh no, this was uh uh I've had only one boyfriend since uh since the man that infected me. And yes, he has been tested and he's tested negative. Okay. And the boyfriend that you was with, he was entertaining risky behaviors. I mean, he did not know none about HIV to get tested himself. Um, well, apparently not. Uh, he was uh-huh. he got tested after I got sick, and found out that he, he was positive uh, after I got sick. But uh, oddly enough, he you know he had had no clue that he was HIV positive. Mm. 
So he was cheating on you. Yes, he had been cheating on me, which is the reason that we ultimately broke up. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's all my questions. Thank you for answering. Okay. Oh, Thanks you're for calling in, Trudy. All right. Great. Well, actually, we're winding down to the last couple minutes, Betsy. So I know uh, people can find you on Pause I Am, um, and they can find you on Twitter as well, right? Because you mm-hmm. are on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't monitor it uh, as much as maybe I could, uh, but they're certainly welcome to um, email me at pause I am or uh, email me at my regular email address, which is uh, likinglife at msn dot com. And your Twitter handle, I think, is it E M Y U N G. That's me. Alrighty then. So we'll send that out so people can follow you there and try to get you some followers. We'll try to get you more followers than you have Keith count. Well, I, I don't tweet a lot, so I'm not I'm not that exciting to follow. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never know. One tweet can save a life. That's true. And like I, I, I told my uh, my brother the other day, he said, I said, I'll be on the radio. He said, really? I said, no, really, I, I'll I'll reach dozens of people. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping that somebody uh hears and learns something and uh, I would really, really like regular, normal, everyday people to know that they're all at risk. It you know, no one is above it. I'm fifty one years old. I've had seven partners in my life. Um, and how can that be for me? You know. Right. I'm paying all the price and had none of the fun. (laughs) (laughs) God. Oh, Betsy, you're you're funny. (laughs) You're a hoot. Well, it would have been Uh, it would have would have been nice to say uh, I had an exciting life uh, and and got my virus in some exciting way, but unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah. And I sure appreciate your I sure appreciate all of your work, Robert, and and uh, I. I love your site, and I love all the support that I've gotten from your members, and it's really been wonderful. If I can do that for someone else, I'll be satisfied. Oh, well, thanks for being a part of it and joining us this evening. We had a great time. All right, me too. Have a great night. You too. And remember, folks, you can find uh, Betsy Young on uh, the Pause AM social network. You can also find her on Twitter at E-M-Y-U-N-G. So, Jeremy, another great show. It was a very good show. I'm sorry it wasn't really more no, talkative. That's fine. You were good. I was ready. I, I was good. I had questions. I was all set. I was really moved by by her story, and uh, I was excited to have her come on. No, I think I'm coming down with a cold. Oh no. Yes. Oh no. I've been having a sore throat all day, runny nose, and now I'm starting to get the cough. And ugh. oh, well, we are down to the last minute, so I want to thank everybody for tuning yes, in. Yes, thank you, everybody. Remember, you can find all of our past shows and even tonight's archive on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio. Um, find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can um, find more information on Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com. That's Positively with a Z. And you can find more information on myself and the radio show at PauseIM.com. Jeremy, have a great night. You too. Have a great evening, everybody. Good to be here. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. 
I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the naked truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS.